Our text is in Joshua. And I'll read Joshua chapter 4, verses 8, 9, and 20 to 24. And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they were lodged and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Verse 20. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these stones that stood as a memorial to your mighty acts in the nation of Israel. We pray, Lord, that we would be reminded of just how special it is to be your people. We thank you now. Pray that you would uh, open our minds and have us to reflect on this and apply it to ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I skipped a lot, but I think you still see the context from what I read. God had commanded Joshua to do what it is that he then did, to have these men assigned to pick up these stones and from the middle of the Jordan and carry them across. Verse 6 reads, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask. And so the children were expected to ask why these rocks are stacked here in Gilgal. They're expected to ask, and obviously the parents are to be prepared with an answer. Children ask a lot of questions. We have a lot of children in this church, and I'm sure for many of you, you have children at that stage where they're asking all of the many, many questions that children ask. And it can get tiresome, tedious, answering these questions, especially if they ask the same ones or variants of them over and over and over again. And we can get frustrated with our children asking us these questions. But I believe parenting is a primary tool in God's world to teach us adults patience. He wants us to answer our children's questions. He doesn't want us growing weary in doing so. They look to you for answers, and you really ought to give them to them. Now, sometimes we know that they can abuse this privilege. They're just stalling for time, perhaps, especially if they know that it's your priority to try to answer their questions. And so there's maybe another time when you have to answer them. We have a story in our family about one such question that has become kind of famous within the family. And it was when Rachel was very young. We were out in California living in a condo. Rachel was the only child in our complex. We had eight units, and she was the only child. 
uh, Tabitha would take her out walking on long, long walks. I mean, out there the weather permitted it pretty much year-round. And so they would go on these long, long walks. And once the uh, lawn was being sprinkled, and Rachel asked, why? Why is this happening? And Tabitha said that the grass is thirsty. And Rachel thought about that for a bit. And then she said, grass doesn't have a mouth. And every time we heard that story thereafter, the attitude was expressed. Grass doesn't have a mouth. So it proves their thinking. I mean, that's one of the really um, very fascinating things about children is that you watch them learn. You can just see their little minds spinning as they're asking these questions. And my wife, though, was pretty annoyed at that response. And it reflects every time she shares that story. I asked her about it this morning, so to make sure that I was telling it the way it went down. So see, God knows our children will ask us questions. He wants us prepared to answer those questions. And we as parents know, especially those of us whose kids are much older, know that there comes a time when your children pretty much stop asking you questions. I don't know whether it's because we stop answering out of irritation or whether they just start seeking answers from others. And uh, hopefully they return to asking their parents questions once again, once they realize that their parents aren't as dumb as they thought they were as they were at some point in their teens. Now, God knows we forget, and this is why he's established this memorial in Gilgal. We forget things, even very important things, like having been saved as a people. We can forget these things. We're very forgetful. And so these stones in Gilgal were a reminder of what God had done. And not only what he had done at the Jordan, but what he had done at the Red Sea. They were to remind them of this crossing. That's at the end of what I'd read. Crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before. So it's to be a reminder also of what happened, had happened 40 years earlier. Because many of these people standing before him experiencing this probably were too young to even remember that now. Note also that there are two sets of stones. You might not get that from just a cursory reading. But I read both occurrences. There were two sets of 12 stones set up, one in Gilgal, and yet the other right in the middle of the Jordan where the priest's feet had stood holding the ark. So when the water came back down, those stones were covered again. The river was at flood stage. Yet, as time goes on, and as there are periodic droughts, it's likely that those stones were visible. So see, what happens? Why do you think there are these two sets of stones? We're forgetful, but we also tend to forget what is staring us right in the face. It's why we tend to not be a thankful people, because God blesses us every day with that for which we forget. We take it for granted. So those stones in Gilgal were probably very commonplace. They didn't need to be thinking about that, and so they'd walk past it every day. I am still amazed. I've lived in the same place here in Omaha for 25 years now, and yet I still don't know the name of a few of the streets right near me. I go right through these red lights, and I, uh, like uh, a minute away, and I don't know the name of that street. I would 
bet that's, that's true of some of you. Even though you've passed this thing every day for years, we grow accustomed to things. We grow unmindful of the reality of what God has done in our world all the time. Verse 9 says that Joshua set up those stones and that they are there to this day. So at the time of this writing, they are still there. They see these stones in the midst of the river periodically. A few years ago, Zerinsky was drained because of that zebra mussel thing. And I cannot forget what I saw when that, river, when that lake was drained. There were hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of tires all throughout parts of that lake. Back in the 60s when they built that lake, they just threw a bunch of old tires in it to fill up the volume, I guess, and maybe help hold the mud in place. But now that it's been filled up again for years, I still remember those tires. I hadn't known they were there until then. And so see, that's the way. People see these rocks that one time and then they're reminded. God is our God. God is very kind to us. So see, this meal correlates in many ways to both of these stacks of rocks. In that we have the Lord's table every week, we can forget how special it is. We can be like the people of Gilgal, walking around, seeing this little stone pillar and forgetting its meaning, forgetting how important it is. And yet, like that drought that drains the uh, river, lowers it, lets us see those stones, that's kind of, if you think about it, that's really what happens with us every year when we face Christmas and Easter. Now, we come to church all the time, but there are many people who don't. They go at Easter, and they might go at Christmas. And so they know God is important. They know they should be at church, yet they choose to only go at the times when God is reminding them that it's really, really special. Yet we know this is special all the time. And this table is a symbol, just as those rocks were a symbol of God's goodness, this is a symbol of God's goodness. It's a symbol of his presence with us, of what Jesus did for us. We must not forget it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for life. We thank you for this gift that is so precious. And we pray, Lord, that we would uh, adhere to your word in understanding why it is that you set up memorial stones at all, answering the questions for our children. Uh, you give us these perfect opportunities to draw them into your presence. And we pray, Lord, that we would not look past them, that we would not take them for granted, that we would treat them as precious. And we thank you, Father, for this table by which we remember what Jesus has done for us every week. This is special, always special. We pray, Father, that you would uh, feed us this morning, feed us with the crackers and the wine, uh, draw our hearts close to you, yours in obedience. We give you thanks for your gifts in Christ's name. Amen.